I thank you, Father, for the privilege of your word and for the Holy Spirit who is the teacher in all things, and he brings to our remembrance all the things that we have heard. So I ask now, Lord, that you would just open our hearts, our minds, and our understanding to receive what you want to speak to each one of us about today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The definition for grace is getting what we don't deserve or God's unmerited favor. And our study today is triumph through grace. It is a journey of Joseph's life. It is a journey of a boy becoming a man, a shepherd boy becoming second in command in all of Egypt, a journey of one being served to one serving, a journey of freedom to slavery and back to freedom. A journey of hate to love, from remembering and forgetting to forgiveness. A journey of separation to reconciliation. But most of all, we are going to see God's amazing grace over each and every circumstance. There are over 100 ways Joseph is a type or foreshadowing of Jesus. And it is in these chapters that we will see not only Is it a journey of Joseph and his brothers, but it is also a picture of Jesus and us. As chapter 43 and 44 are almost at the end of our journey through grace, we need to start at the beginning, as each journey has a beginning and a destination. So let's go on a journey of grace with Joseph and his brothers. We will start at the beginning of this journey with chapter 37, And review the chapters leading up to 43 and 44. So bear with me as this journey is really going someplace. Jacob sends Joseph to check on his ten sons who are out tending sheep at Shechem. Joseph finds out that they have moved to Dothan, which is another 13 miles away. As Joseph approaches the brothers, he sees them coming and they say, Here comes the master dreamer. Let's kill him and let's see then what happens to his dreams. The father sent Jesus to his brothers, and Jesus' brothers hated him and plotted to kill him as well. Joseph was not hard to spot, for he wore his coat of many colors. It was of many colors, but not of different colored pieces of material, as it was one piece of material. Jesus' robe was of one piece of material— which made it valuable, and that is why the guards rolled dice for it. Reuben hears their plot to kill Joseph, but intervenes and says, let's throw him in the pit without any water in the wilderness. In other words, let's put him in the pit and let him starve to death. However, Reuben had a plan to return to the pit and to save Joseph and return him to his father. We must remember that Joseph did not hear They plan to kill him, and this will come up a little later. But we do know the brothers heard Joseph pleading with them to release him. The brothers then sit down to eat, and as they are eating, they see a caravan coming toward them. Talk about heartless, cold, and full of hate. These brothers were able to hear Joseph plead to be released, and yet they sat there and ate. The caravan was of Ishmaelites and Mennonites, who were related as both had Abraham for a father. The Ishmaelites were from Abraham and Hagar. The Midianites were from Abraham and Keturah, who was Abraham's second wife after the death of Sarah. 
So they would travel together as they are family, and it was safer to travel in larger groups. Judah says, hey, let's not kill him when we can make some money, so let's sell him. The Midianites come along and drew Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. 20 pieces of silver was the going rate for a slave aged 5 to 25. But 30 pieces of silver was for a man's slave. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. In scripture, silver is a metal for redemption. Jesus was sold also by one of his own. When Reuben returns, he finds the pit empty and his plan to save Joseph and return him to his father has failed. Joseph is now on his way to Egypt in chains of iron. He will later be given a gold chain. Joseph is only 17 years old at this time. But Joseph had to be in Egypt because that is where God wanted him to be. Once in Egypt, he is bought by Potiphar, who is the captain of the bodyguard of Pharaoh. Joseph was in charge of all of Pharaoh had, and he prospered under Joseph's management. Not only his household, but his fields. It is here in chapter 39, verse 4, that we learn that Joseph found grace in Potiphar's sight. Perhaps this was the beginning of Joseph's learning agriculture, as he was only a shepherd boy before. Joseph needed training in farming for the future. Genesis 39, verse 5 tells us that Potiphar had fields, so he was probably growing grain of some type. Egypt never needed to depend upon rain, for they had the Nile River, and it would flood and water the whole area, making it a lush place to grow crops. Joseph spends approximately 10 years in the service of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of a sexual assault. She tells her husband, but Joseph never opens his mouth in his own defense. Who else does not open his mouth before his accusers? Joseph is now sent to prison where, he, where eventually the chief cupbearer and the chief baker end up. They both have a dream and Joseph interprets their dreams accurately. He tells the chief cupbearer that, the Pharaoh, that he will be returned to Pharaoh in three days and to remember him before Pharaoh. Joseph says, tell them I was kidnapped from the Hebrews, and since I have been in Egypt, I have done nothing wrong to merit being in prison for. Joseph believed that he was kidnapped. Joseph is made head over all the prison as God was with him in all he does. Genesis 39 verse 21 tells us again that Joseph found grace in the sight of his keeper. Two years pass and Pharaoh has two dreams which no one can interpret. The cupbearer remembers that there is a man named Joseph who can interpret dreams. So Joseph is sent for. He is bathed, shaved, and given clean clothes before he appears before Pharaoh. Joseph is now 30 years old. Who else was 30 years old when he began his ministry? He tells Joseph his dreams, and the first thing Joseph does is to tell Pharaoh and to acknowledge that it is God who gives the interpretation and not him. Joseph not only tells Pharaoh the interpretation of his dreams, but he gives him the way to survive the next 14 years. So Pharaoh makes Joseph second in command over all of Egypt. He gives him a new robe, which Joseph has already lost, his other robe, a gold chain, I thought, 
a gold chain, you know, one of those little bitty chains. Who's going to see that and what, what does that mean? So I looked it up. And what it is, it's, if you've seen the, the movies with the Egyptians, you know, they wear those big high collars and big gold. That's what he was given, not a little chain. It was big, so it set him apart. It said that he was somebody of big importance. So this gold chain had a lot of value. And he was given a wife. Joseph, who is a Hebrew, is given a Gentile bride. Who else gets a Gentile bride? Well, we know that's Jesus. Eventually, Joseph and his wife have two sons. The first one he names Manasseh, which means God has caused me to forget. And the second one he names Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. Forget means you choose not to think about something. Forgiveness or forgive means you forgive the sin, but you do not necessarily forget the sin because if you forget, you might commit it again. So Joseph has chosen to forget at this point as he must be busy about the business of Pharaoh. Who else had to be busy about his father's business? The seven years of plenty have expired, and now they are about one year into the seven years of famine. So far, we have seen Joseph as the receiver of grace. Now you are saying, wait a minute, Tommy. Where did Joseph receive grace if grace is getting what you don't deserve? Well, we saw two places already in Genesis 39.4 and Genesis 30, uh, 39 verse 21. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So grace is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. All you can do is receive it. We are looking at the journey as it unfolds, but in the end we see each of the situations Joseph found himself in was training for him for the next 14 years that were coming. It was preparing him to save not only Egypt and his family, but the entire Hebrew nation. How do I see Joseph as a receiver of grace? It was by God's grace that Reuben stopped the plot to kill him. It was by grace that Joseph was sold to the caravan that was going into Egypt, as that is where Joseph needed to be. It was by grace that he was bought by Potiphar and learned to run and oversee a home, as it was his job to see that Potiphar prospered in his home and in his fields. Joseph's job was was to oversee the fields, perhaps of grain, for Potiphar. It was by grace that Joseph was in the same prison as a cupbearer and interpreted his dream. It was by God's grace that he could accurately interpret the dreams. It was by God's grace Joseph had the wisdom and discernment to interpret dreams. And it was by God's grace that while in prison he did more of the same in the training while he was there. Joseph learned how to be under authority before he could be in authority. Now our journey of of triumph through grace will show us Joseph as the giver or the extender of grace, and I believe he also tries to give his brothers clues as to who he is. Who else wanted his own brothers to recognize him at his first coming? Of course, that was Jesus. 
So Jacob hears that there's grain in Egypt and tells his son to go buy grain. Can you imagine what went through their minds about now? You got to be kidding. Egypt, the very place that we sold our brother 13, 14 years ago. No wonder they looked at each other in amazement. You're sending us back there. They probably thought, well, there's no way he can still be alive. No way could we run into him. But what if? It's always the what if, isn't it? So off to Egypt they go, many in hand, and they run right into Joseph. However, they do not recognize him, but Joseph recognizes them. The ten sons bow before Joseph, and Joseph remembers his dreams, but this is not a complete fulfillment of his dreams yet. Joseph has never lost his faith in God. He knew God was true to his word and that God had given him his dreams. Remember, Joseph was a 17-year-old gangly teenager when they last saw him. He is now a mature 37, 38-year-old man. He speaks Egyptian. He dresses like an Egyptian. He is clean-shaven like Egyptians as the Hebrew men all wore beards. He accuses them of being spies, which is punishable by death on the spot. They tell Joseph they are honest men and that they are all of one family, the ten of them. Uh, one is with their father and one is no more. But Joseph does not listen to their pleas, just as they did not listen to his pleas. Could this be a clue that he's trying to give his brothers? I know who you are. Reuben confesses that their original plan had been to kill Joseph, and Joseph turns and weeps. I believe, and this is just my personal opinion, I believe that this is the first time that Joseph knew that they had planned to kill him. Remember, Joseph was not with them when they hatched the plan. All he knew was that they threw him in a pit, and then the Midianites pulled him from the pit, so therefore he thought he was kidnapped. Here is where Joseph learns of just how much his brothers hated him. What a heartbreak that must have been for Joseph. He puts all ten of them in jail for three days and then brings them out. He keeps Simeon and sends the other nine brothers on their way. Why did he keep Simeon? The majority of commentaries say that Simeon was probably the ringleader of the one that wanted to murder Joseph. Simeon was second born after Reuben, and with Reuben standing in the family in jeopardy, Simeon would have been next in line. Simeon means hears and obeys. I don't think he matches his name very well. Simeon was an evil man along with his brother Levi. Remember what these two did to the men in Shechem? And when they were rebuked by their father, they acted in self-will, which means they took malice delight in their gross crime. I believe Joseph kept Simeon as a clue that he knew who they were. It is believed that it was Simeon who bound Joseph and threw him in the pit. And only Joseph would have known that apart from the other brothers. He knew what kind of man Simeon was, and he knew what Simeon was capable of. Joseph told them not to return without their other brother. It was mandatory. You shall prove you are, you shall prove you are honest men by the fact that your youngest brother comes back with you. Why would Joseph be so insistent that Benjamin come back? 
Could it be that he was concerned that his brothers had treated Benjamin the same way they had treated him? But the bigger reason is yet to be seen. As they leave for home, Joseph says something to them that should have, been, that should have tipped them off right away. Joseph said he fears God. He uses the Hebrew name for God, which is Elohim. Perhaps another clue. Off they go with their grain in hand, which consisted of 66 family members in Canaan at this time. When Jacob and the entire family arrive in Egypt, it is a nation of 70 people, counting Joseph and his family. God said he did not choose them because of anything special about them, but because they were fewest in number. Yet when they leave Egypt many years later under the leadership of Moses, he leaves out over two million um, Hebrews. He leaves them out of bondage that started with the bondage of Joseph. When the brothers stop for the night, they find their money in their sacks. Why did Joseph have their money returned to them? Remember, you can't buy grace. You can only receive it. We know Joseph was an honest man and of high integrity, he was, so he would not have defrauded Pharaoh out of the money due him for the grain. So why would Joseph have returned their money? I personally believe, and some of the commentaries said also, that Joseph paid for their grain out of his own resources. Who paid for our debt out of his own resources? None other than Jesus himself. And this is another way that Joseph is a type of Jesus. They returned to their families, which took about three weeks. And once they were there, they told uh, Jacob all that had happened, as well as the conversation with the man, as they called him. This brings us to the chapters we are to study for today, chapters 43 and 44. <clears throat> and for the sake of time, I'm just going to paraphrase 43, 1 through 15. So it goes like this. Their grain is running out and they must go back to Egypt to buy more. Jacob tells him to go, to, uh, go and get the grain. The conversation between Judah and Jacob would have sounded something like this. Jacob says, go get grain. Judah says, the man said, don't return without Ben. If, so if you send Ben, we will go. And if you don't send Ben, we won't go because there's no need to go. He won't give us the grain. So Jake, Judah and Jacob, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob relents and tells them to go and take gifts with them as well as Benjamin. He says, take the original money plus double money plus aromatic gum, pecans, honey, and myrrh. So all the 11 brothers go with their gifts. We are not told what the currency of Egypt was at this time, but as I did research, I found that it was probably gold. I found this extremely interesting as I looked at the gifts. I saw three gifts that stood out. The currency, which was pro could possibly have been gold, and this will come up a little later. Aromatic gum, which frankincense is one of, and myrrh. Who else received these three gifts while in Egypt? It was Jesus. The more this journey goes, the more interesting it gets and the greater expression of grace. Now, 43, 16 through 34. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he tells his steward to prepare a meal. And as they dine with him, that they are to dine with him in his house. 
when they hear this, they become frightened. And they say it's because of the money that they found in their sack. So they tell the steward first that they found the money and that they have brought it back. The steward tells them, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God, and he uses the same Hebrew word for, for God. For your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sack. He then brings Simeon out and brings him to Joseph's house where he gave them water to wash their feet and he feeds their donkeys. There's so much symbolism here and I had to wonder, again this is just a thought, I had to wonder, could the steward represent the Holy Spirit? When Joseph arrives, they present the presence as well as all eleven bow before Joseph. Now both of Joseph's dreams are completely fulfilled. The first time they came and bowed before Joseph, how many bowed? Only ten. In Joseph's dream, how many had to bow? Eleven. This is why Benjamin had to come to Egypt to, to, to fulfill the dreams. When he sees Benjamin, he leaves them and goes to find a place to weep. He is overcome with his feelings, this time of joy, not grief like the first time when he wept at finding out they had planned to kill him. He washes his face and returns to the meal that has been prepared. He has his steward set the brothers in birth order. Now this should have been a dead giveaway to the brothers. How could he have known such a thing? The brothers were amazed, yet they did not get it. Joseph, himself, Joseph sits by himself, not with the Egyptians, as it was an abomination for them to eat with Hebrews. Benjamin is given five times more than the rest. After the meal, they, they are on their way back home once again. And in chapter 44, verses 1 through 17. This time Joseph has his silver cup as well as the money put into their sack. Just outside of town, the steward finds them and accuses them of stealing the master's silver cup. They say, God forbid that we should steal from the Lord's house silver, which would represent the cup, and then he said, or gold. And that's why I thought maybe the currency was gold, because why else would he have said gold? They are so sure of their innocence that they say, whomever the cup is found, let him die, and let us be the Lord's bondsman. When the cup is found in Benjamin's sack, they are overcome with grief and they tear their clothes, which is a true sign of remorse. They're brought back to Joseph's house and Joseph is still there. Joseph says, what is this that you have done? At this point, Judah makes a true and complete confession of their sin. And you'll find that in uh, uh, chapter 44, verse 16, which was needed for grace to be given. We have arrived at the destination that we all must come to. We must confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior, so we too can receive grace. A journey that started with a plot to murder and a destination that ends with grace. The story is to be continued. Joseph is a type of Christ, and it is possible that we could and is it possible that we could be represented by the ten brothers? We are guilty of all the same things they were. Hate, envy, jealousy, lying, murder, greed. As we saw places where Joseph received grace, where did he extend grace? 
By grace they receive life from Joseph and not death. By grace they receive forgiveness of their treatment of him. They and their families were starving, but by grace Joseph gave them bread. They owed for the grain, but by grace Joseph paid their debt. There are more ways to find grace and where it was extended, but these are the ones that stood out to me. When we have been partakers of God's grace, which is getting what we don't deserve, we must be willing to choose not to think about those, th- those wrongs that has been done to us and extend grace. Joseph knew his brothers did not deserve forgiveness nor grace, but he chose to extend both to them. How do we know he forgave them and extended grace? Later in the chapters, he will say, I know you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I'd like to read a poem to you that my sister wrote. Um, she didn't know I was going to be doing anything on teaching on uh, what to do with it on grace. So, hang hang on, ladies. I got it. As I didn't tell her, I was going to be teaching on it on grace. And she sent it to me. She wrote this October the twenty eighth, two thousand twenty two, and the name of it. God's grace. Because of grace, Christ died for me, my sins that nailed him to the tree. His love held him there to suffer and die to set me free. But God raised him from the dead, and he ascended on high to sit by the Father at his right side. Now by grace, forgiveness he gives to all who put their trust in him. My sins he remembers no more. And grace abounds forevermore. A gift from God so undeserved. His grace so freely he gives. Daily living here on earth that we may honor him with good works. Because of grace I am sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit who gives new life. I was lost in sin, but God by his grace has delivered me unto that day when I will sit with him in that heavenly realm. I was blown away when I saw the very things that we're talking about. First of all, grace, forgiveness, free gifts. He chooses not to remember anymore. Isn't that amazing how the Holy Spirit works? Puts everything together just the way he wants it. Now, I'm going to sum up our journey through grace in three words. Everybody ready? Grace changes everything. Thank you for going on this amazing journey with me. While we are on break, review these chapters and look for more ways Joseph is a type of Jesus. Look for clues that he tries to give to his brothers. And then look for ways where Joseph receives grace as well as um, where he extends grace, as I have only tried to show a few of them. Let's pray. Father, we are just so grateful for another opportunity to watch how you work in our lives Hindsight is so perfect, Father. We can look back and see not only in Joseph's life where grace was received and where we could extend grace, Lord, but we can see those same things in our lives as we look back. Sometimes we wonder why, but Lord, you always have a destination that you want to take us to, just as you did with Joseph and his brothers, and it was so they could all experience what it's like to experience your grace, Lord, your forgiveness and your love. 
I just pray now, Father, that you will bless us as we go into our groups. Bless the food that has been prepared. And Lord, I just pray that now that you would just do a mighty work in all of our lives as we think about the beauty and the wonders of your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen.